0: glad to hear that. <laughs> hey. Hi. How's your week been?
1: Oh, you know, just the doldrums of January. So, there's these really cool guys. <laughs> They're so and, cool. And um you might have heard of them. Um Well, well why I've don't you do your intro? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um <laughs> Okay, so there's this band called Green Day. And <laughs> <laughs> they are from oh the Bay Area. They sometimes play punk rock music. And basically, they have a new album out. And it was actually kind of like the first cultural skirmish of 2024, I would say. Because they were playing on... Um, I don't know who does that New Year's Eve show now, but... I know, I, I, but I saw them perform when I was like, yeah, watching. They like, performed all the stuff from my and they performed "American Idiot," their song, and they replaced some of the lyric instead of saying "I, I don't want to be a part of a redneck agenda," they swapped that out with "I don't want to be a part of a MAGA agenda." <laughs> God, it's so corny, so corny. But apparently, it pissed some people off because Fox News did a couple segments on it. Elon Musk was tweeting about it. I think what Green Day probably doesn't realize, because it's been a long time since they've been working class dudes from the East Bay, is that the majority of their fans aren't like liberal people in like Los Angeles and Brooklyn. They're actually just like working class and middle class kids from the center of the country. Right, um, you go to like Warped tour. What did you think about Elon's tweet? He said, uh, what did he say? He said, Green Day goes from raging against the machine to milk-toastedly oh. raging for it.
1: <laughs> um, He's not wrong. <laughs> I would say, you know, okay, I wrote... Die when you're cool or live long enough to, to become cringe. And that's basically what what Green Day has become. Like, I just get secondhand embarrassment, to be entirely frank, when I see... Like, I watched that performance because I was just up watching, like, whatever New Year's BS was on with my parents. Yeah. Oh, you that's watched That's what I do that, on New Year's like, Eve oh, now is just stay at home and, like, have, you know, a very family night. Um, she's like, I'm a 66-year-old woman at heart. I am, totally. <laughs> and... I just get secondhand embarrassment because it's like, it's very micro penis energy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these grown ass yeah. men who are like in their 50s, clearly like deep into their 50s, perhaps, <gasps> who are like still like bleach their hair and like. Do this like pop punk, like hold the like low slung guitars and like the theatric. It's almost like a campy act at this point. And perhaps they're in on the joke of it all.
0: They probably are. I don't know. I mean, so I actually went through the songs on the latest record and I decided to write down some of the lyrics that jumped out at me. And I thought maybe I could read some of them and you and I could try to like decipher them together. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Figure out their lyrical genius. Strange days are here to stay. Ever since Bowie died, it hasn't been the same. All the madmen going mental. Grandma's on the fentanyl now. Oh
1: my God. I know. I saw that lyric.
0: Strange days are here to stay. Oh my God. This and, is like an all of north kind of thing. Sorry. Everyone sorry. is racist. And the Uber's running late. I just lost my sense of humor gen z killing baby boomer now strange days are here to stay okay they wrote this on chat gpt
1: <laughs> um, they're like they they literally put in write a green
0: day song okay but when they <laughs> that say was their every, prompt. when they <laughs> yeah
1: <right? It's, laughs> man what a artless way like to talk about I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's true. That is sort of the psychodrama of middle America's opioid opioid addiction, although it's also it's basically it's everywhere it's at this everywhere, point. Yeah. I don't know. I'm <laughs> like, like, trying I know. to muster like I um
0: You can just say pass if you don't if you don't Well wanna... no,
1: I'm just trying to think of like, okay, a kid in West Virginia who's like the alt kid at his like small town high school who's like maybe kind of getting a sense of his own taste and he's like i'm going to see what green day's all about like yeah. you know goes through dookie dookie goes ducky. through american idiot <laughs> ducky and um and now he's landed on
0: what what's this new record called like uh, saviors saviors which i was i was like why didn't they name it white saviors
1: right they should have named it white <laughs> saviors that would have been the ultimate um you know edge lordy thing to do um, maybe it would appeal to somebody of that age. Maybe they're just like, look, we're not trying. Like, we may be fifty, but we're still trying to p- appeal to like fourteen-year-old kids who, yeah. to them, this is profound. So, if that's indeed the case, then maybe they're actually way more brilliant than I'm giving them credit for, and they could, you know, be starting some sort of subtle revolution in like the Appalachians with like. You know, writing lyrics that can be like, yeah, I kn- my grandma is on fentanyl. I don't think they I have I mean, that's not o- funny, but...
0: I don't really think they have awareness or care if their fans are in Appalachia or... Like, right. I, I don't think they, like... If I don't think they would even like them if they met them. Right. You they know, would make fun of their own their own fans. Um, there are many P- artists that seemingly are like that. I <laughs> have another song. I want to read the lyrics. Um, fancy can- Sauce. Okay. Oh, wait. Okay what no, no no you go ahead no
1: no you go ahead i was just curious as is, is Susie chapstick sort of like a, a love song to like a go ago like you know girl in high school or something
0: a oh wait alana del rey
1: no like a, it was is it like an ode to like a girl you know like a high school a girl he knew in high school or
0: something that let, would let be me like- read the lyrics will i ever see your face again not just photos from an Instagram. What's yeah, Instagram? he's like
1: lusting after his like 1991 like love or something.
0: Will you say hello from across the street, from a place in time we used to meet? Sometimes everything grows apart. Broken pieces from a busted heart. <laughs> not even <laughs> <My> the drug.
1: <laughs> These are so like they're not even trying.
0: Not even the drugs seem to work. Living in the shadows where we lurk. Outside my window before the sun comes up to shine. It's just another vacant, cold and lonely night. I think that's definitely written for like a lost love. What's weird is that Billy Joe has been married since he was like 18. I know. But he like still manages to mine like all of this material from I guess before he turned 18 and is still writing songs about these women years and years later. Right, Byron's wife. I'd be pissed off.
1: Well, he. I mean, you know, this. All of this could be totally made up, which artists are allowed to do. Yeah, you he could know, be putting was... himself in the in the place of like a lonely man who's like not with anyone and is just like reminiscing about his like first love from yeah. when he was like seventeen
0: or something. Yeah, maybe he's method acting. I don't know, but um, method acting. I don't know if this album will. T- inevitably become like the big masterpiece hit of our like the the american idiot of this new generation um i kind of i, I definitely don't, don't think that's gonna happen that's what's i mean that's what they're trying to like set it up as but yeah i just like i don't see that <laughs> um my <laughs> the reddit I- seems like they loved the record i did like decent investigation really? well
1: it was a like, green day reddit so i didn't really read anything that would have been like people who were like just tuning in that weren't necessarily fans, but maybe gave it a fair shot and like hated it or something.
0: There is one. So that my favorite song on the album is actually called Fancy Sauce. I think it's the most interesting lyrically. I want to read you the lyrics because um, they reminded me a little bit of not our last episode, but the episode before that um, where we talked about trauma queens. Oh, right. Yeah, I want to read it to you. Howlin at the moon in the afternoon. <laughs> oh God. I'm, like so embarrassed. <laughs>
1: I'm just imagining like writing this in like a fucking notebook or something.
0: With like anarchy signs all yes, on. like drawing like a hexagram or something. Okay, howling at the moon in the afternoon. Watch the evening news because it's my favorite cartoon. Gonna join a cult, do a somersault. Everyone's a victim. It makes me wanna puke. Okay. Go, go, fall in like a yo-yo, paradise for locos, medicate my sorrows. I'm so famous. This is like such performance art. It's so bad. It's good. Yeah. I'm so famous. You're the one that's famous. Everybody's famous, stupid, and contagious, and we all die young someday. But the part where he was was talking about everyone's a victim and it makes me want to puke. Yeah. Made me think of... The show well, he we probably did. has like Gen Z kids. He does, and actually one of them was me too would a few years ago. Oh, really? Okay, that's cool. I mean, not,
1: uh, you know. <laughs> it's cool. No, it's very not cool. I don't think me to be getting me too is makes you cool. Um yeah, he it seems that makes me think I wonder what his kids think of him. Of <laughs> great day. Um I mean, I guess he's not wrong, you know. We all <laughs> are very much mentally ill and it seems as if we get more mentally ill with the more awareness of mental illness there
0: is <laughs> like, That's, i like how you're like very seriously trying to like you're like yeah i'm trying I mean, to know. give it some sort of
1: like i just it's hard because i'm um because you're so disgusted I'm so disgusted by the micro penis energy. I just remember seeing them on like that New Year's thing where I'm like, I'm lame. I'm just at home. And I'm like, I am so much cooler than these guys. <laughs> and I'm sure they're laughing all the way to the bank though. Yeah, like, they are. Um, it's not like they're, they care probably. But I mean, I, yeah, I, they're maybe an American institution. They're like a gen jen i remember like really liking green day when i was in like sixth and seventh grade like you know when you're you're going into like middle school and high school you listen to that one song like time of your life
0: yeah the time of your life
1: and you know my my cousin um one of my cousins who i thought was like super cool and he liked green day so i kind of like emulated that and um my high school boyfriend and i like that one song macy's day parade oh i like that song yeah. yeah i mean they have some good music they have they a have lot some of good really- stuff that was like written in a time of like true like youth
0: yeah that you can
1: tell like it does hit um but green day hasn't hit for me for basically 20 years but you know what they're still making music i guess you can't you're they're still writing you know they're
0: still together which they're a lot still drawing
1: hexagrams in like little like you know
0: notebooks so <laughs> i guess i want to like really applaud them for that yeah um okay so what are we talking about next white guilt yes the The intersection
1: of um i had something clever and down i wrote the fraught intersection of self-interest and social consciousness so wanting to appear to be the good guy um, while secretly being the bad guy that you pretend to hate, aka liberal white
0: guilt, liberal hypocrisy. <laughs>
1: yes, liberal hypocrisy, powerful white guilt that causes people to create these illusions of their ultimate goodness. But let's get into sort of a basic. We should um, probably
0: explain to people like what show we're talking about because not everybody's <laughs> yeah. probably even seen it. So Nathan Fielder, if anybody out there is familiar with him, he was the creator of Nathan For You, as well as the show The Rehearsal, which I was a big fan of both of those shows. Hilarious. Did you actually see them, Jess, the other d- shows that he's done? Yeah, I did. I haven't
1: yeah. seen every Nathan For You, but The Rehearsal... I saw every part of because he filmed it not too far from here.
0: Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. Mm And the other guy is Benny Safdie, who I'm not as familiar with, but I guess he's done a bunch of like really good thriller type films. Yes. So they they teamed up and Emma Stone was in the film or sorry, in the show that came out on Showtime or Amazon or something like that. And it's called The Curse. It just wrapped up. It blew people's minds. And we're going to dig in and talk about it. So, yeah. So the basic premise is it's uh, a couple played by Nathan Fielder and Emma
1: Stone. They're a married couple. It's implied they're quite wealthy. They basically descend upon this, um, you know, working class, but kind of pretty town called Española, New Mexico, which is a real place.
0: And I think the majority of the uh, people who live in that town are, they're like Native American, right? Right. They're indigenous. Okay. Indigenous. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> it's over. Um, should, I, should I give a land ac- acknowledgement? I think we need to at the beginning of every show. We don't need to tell <laughs> yeah, the other listeners who
1: we are or what our show is called, but we do need to do land we We'll just do land
0: acknowledgement. <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah. Anyway, so they, yeah, they come into this town, and um, they want to. I guess they've had the opportunity to do an HGTV show because just people like them would have such an opportunity. And Emma Stone plays, I think, some sort of architect artist. She calls herself an artist, and
0: her her character name is Whitney. And uh, Nathan's character
1: is Asher. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of follows them throughout all these absurd ways in which they kind of undercut all these um people within this town who are of much less uh, much lower socioeconomic class. Um and you know the the people in the town are already sort of suspicious of them. Whitney has apparently slumlord parents and Asher is just supremely awkward and and weird. They're just not very likable. But anyways, they're and then um Benny Softy plays like this reality to tv producer so he's helping them produce this show. tv kind of, show he's got, called flip
0: he's got the hg tv going for him
1: yes um which i don't he's so, dressed so strangely lots of rings and like
0: he kind of reminded me of chris angel oh yeah is that the pickup artist guy that's the guy who he had like a magic show and then in the, oh, okay. the mid aughts, and he would be like, Yeah, pain is weakness, leaving the body.
1: Right. No, you it understand? was very much early 2000s, like creed meets magic show guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Dougie. <laughs> That's Dougie. So, yeah, they had, th- they were going to film this, they were going to call it flipanthropy, Um, and throughout it, you just start to see them basically kind of
0: lose their minds a little and go back on everything they purport to believe in. And we find out a couple of episodes and why it's called The Curse when the man, when Asher um, is in a parking lot and he's aware that he's being filmed by Dougie, the producer, and um, a little girl, she's an immigrant, I think, like a is she an African immigrant or like I don't Caribbean?
1: I don't think it's ever explicitly said. I, in fact, I think there's a one point Asher asked the dad, like, where are you from? And he's like, Minnesota. I think oh, right. they're Somali. Yeah.
0: Somali. Okay. So they're African immigrants and um, she is selling cans of Sprite and ask Asher if he'd like to buy one. And because he knows that he's being filmed He gives her a hundred dollar bill and then tells her to keep it. And then as soon as the cameras turn off, he goes up to her and says, actually, I wasn't really going to give you a hundred dollars. Ha ha. Here's a 20 instead. And then obviously this upsets her because that's just like a fucked up thing to do. And she looks at him and points at him and very seriously says, I curse you. You The power of words though. Right. And then that night he ends up eating dinner and he orders like chicken pasta or something and there's no chicken in his pasta. And so he and I never really understood the significance of it being chicken. I don't know if you had any thoughts or if there was, but. Yeah. And so there's like
1: constantly um, like tension between Asher and Whitney. Whitney is very like she kind of hates her husband.
0: She Um, hates her husband. She doesn't kind of hate her husband.
1: She thinks he's a loser. He has really no swag. I I don't really, I think she's probably with him for some sort of, I don't know, professional connection. It just doesn't, they just do not seem like a match. But she is obsessed with appearances. And so everything has to be, um, which is many people. I mean, I'm not faulting that we're all obsessed with appearances to a certain extent. Um, But she's also obsessed with being, like, you know, how we live in a time where everything's bifurcated into good guys and bad guys and the right side of history. Right. She very much has um, drank the Kool-Aid with being on the right side of history. So she's constantly saying the right thing, and, you know, she just... Her inner life is one of utter selfishness, but obviously she has a brand to defend. And it's one of like, oh no, I, I, you know, I value indigenous voices. And like, it's like chat GPT, just
0: like, you know, spitting out some sort of BS. And all the while she seems seemingly oblivious as to how disingenuous she's coming off to people. Right. Right. Yeah. She has
1: no idea how fake she seems and how unlikable she is as well.
0: It's like she's not fooling anybody. And that's that's the other thing. It's like so many of the interactions that she has with the other characters on the show, like um some of the ones that really stood out to me, obviously her interaction with the um Abshir, who's the little girls um from Somali. Abshir is her dad, but also um the interactions that she had with Kara. Um, the Native American performance artist who, oh, right. who had her come into the tent and then she like sliced turkey <laughs> and <then laughs> handed the, t- which seems like something I actually would have come up with, I feel like in high school, maybe to freak right. out my classmates. But she like slices turkey and then hands it to the person that comes into the teepee and then looks at them and doesn't say anything. And then... Basically, the person decides whether or not they want to eat the turkey, at which point Kara just, like, screams as loud as she can, and then the person leaves. Emma Stone's character seems like she wants approval from Kara, and yeah. her, Kara would just be so disinterested and deadpan and, quite frankly, bitchy to her. Yeah, she was full of contempt for for Whitney, yeah, she was a total bitch, <clears throat> and and Whitney just kept taking it and taking it and taking it, and it it just reminded well, me of like oh go ahead
1: oh I was just gonna say like I think at some point like Kara was probably honestly not the like just not she's not a nice person like maybe she's okay no, no but the thing no, is she's is, not like, a nice person I don't she's think just, she's a, she's not but like the thing is is that I think she also does not suffer fools and so Whitney's obsequiousness her ass kissing is very kind of patronizing which yeah, is of what you could accuse a lot of like liberal white women of doing of being like oh my god I this is so, but not really engaging with the substance of what somebody's saying but just sort of saying you're this identity therefore I put you on a pedestal I don't see you as an equal I see you as sort of um a pitied sort of identity um that i don't really that i'm just using for my own vanity to make me seem like a good person
0: yeah and at the same time Um, let me praise you and compliment you and you know let me try to get you to like me and approve of me and compliment my art and yeah it's like it's completely patronizing and um I feel like until the very last episode, which I don't know if you remember when her and Asher were sitting at the dinner table and she's pregnant and she's... Oh, yeah. ...talking about how pissed off she was that Kara had been written up in the New York Times and was getting all these accolades for quitting art. Right. That we started to see, like, a shred of resentment that Emma's character might have had. And, like, we started to actually see how she really felt potentially about Kara. Yeah.
1: And honestly I have to say, I think Emma Stone is one of like the greatest actresses of our generation. Like yeah, she a lot is, of people like her. I loved her performance in this in this series like she plays it so subtly like there's times when like she's going over some guy's house and obviously the houses she designs are all reflective it's absurd and terrible for birds but she's like adjusting (laughs) her face slightly to like smile and it's so demented and it's so perfect and i think she is like she was just so brilliant in this role because she just was like there's barely contained rage underneath every interaction of just like okay okay you're so that's so beautiful and like just somebody who's that's
0: so great praise me
1: yeah and she definitely is one of those people who wants to have like you know she couldn't ever deal with the fact that or look at herself in the mirror to be like oh i have the potential for cruelty or i have the potential for
0: selfishness she could never recognize that within herself I thought, you know, it's interesting. It's like she was getting admonished from the people of Española. You know, they were always kind of like shitting on her. And then she would shit on Asher. And then Asher would just kind of like shit on himself. Right. You know, like he was like, he would be like masturbating to the idea of his wife, like having sex with some ugly
1: Yeah, it's a guy
0: or something, and like he would he would like get off on on like basically being (laughs) degraded by her, and yeah, he did he did have a micro penis. Okay, that was really his penis. No, I think it
1: was. You don't think? No, that's not Nathan Fielder's penis. That's not his penis. Nathan. Do you think it was a real person's penis? <laughs> Evan's Googling Nathan Fielder penis. You know what I did. Um, No, that was totally fake. It was just part of the... It was just a plot element. It was like just a a sort of... Exempl- it exemplified the humiliation um,
0: of his character. And- a micro penis is an atypically small penis that's discovered in an embassy or very early childhood. Wow. So you can like tell when you have a you baby. can be
1: diagnosed with it in child <laughs> <It's> horrible <laughs> I know it is quite sad. I just so the move or the the show I thought it was like honestly so funny. I know we're kind of describing it in serious terms, which it does deal with serious themes, but just it has so much like just deadpan humor. It's it's hilarious. It's I mean it's Nathan Fielder it's in that sort of register. I always kind of liked emma stone but i didn't get it get it but this show I, yeah. really i was like she is so she's so good like every little
0: thing note she lands i hated her i hated her character i know so much, but it's because i've met her so many times right you know like we yeah, just, especially we, in the bay i'm yeah, sure like she's it's all whitney's 90 like percent of the women here i mean no i shouldn't say that like a lot of them are listening Hi, girls um <laughs>
1: But I mean, it's the same in Portland, same in D.C., same in all the places you and I have, like, lived. Yeah. And worked. Not as much in Casey.
0: Yeah, Casey's a little more real. Yeah. Because it's got a little Espanol in it. Do you remember the scene where some people were shoplifting and then... Uh, they call the cops on the shoplifters. Yeah. So, but, but basically she was like, we can't do that. We can't call the cops on people. It makes us look bad. And also it's just the wrong thing to do. Of course, that's what she said, but you know, she's really thinking it makes us look bad. Right. And it makes her it's, look bad. It's bad PR. It makes her look bad as being like a white gentrifier coming into this community and then opening a store and then, you know, people are stealing. And so she calls the cops on them. So she basically tells the store not to call the police anymore and instead instructs them to just charge everything to her credit card. (laughs) The bank of mommy and daddy slumlord. What could go wrong? Um, Right. And, you know, within like a few weeks... Asher checks the the credit card statement, and she's got like twenty thousand dollars racked up in just stolen goods that she's paying for. And so, of course, people find out about this, and so people are going to take advantage of it. And they go to the store and they start just walking out of there with t- you know as many clothes as they can carry. Yeah, the shopkeeper just like, yeah, like bye. I guess the owner says it's cool, like. This is what she wants to do so this is what i'm doing and right the absurdity of it it just reminded me like so much of of uh, our conversations that we've had about um, well, it's yeah it's like the
1: idea of luxury beliefs it's like a belief you can have that makes you look good That makes you look like the good guy, because remember, we want to be on the right side of history, and it's entirely bifurcated between good and bad. There is no, like, sometimes bad people do good things, or sometimes good people do bad things. It is simply just good or bad. Right. Um, And she has this luxury belief, so it's easy for her to just be like, whatever crime, because you know, I probably got a second home. I don't care. It's not like they're breaking into my like passive house as opposed to the working class native or Hispanic um, uh, man they had hired to be security. Who's like, you just invited like cancer in our community because
0: he's like, I'm going to get a fucking gun. And and that's what he did. (laughs) And it totally freaked her out. She's like, what are you doing? Like, what are those? You know, we can't have those around here. And he's like, I need a gun because you're not enforcing the law. So I'm going to
1: right i mean this happened in you know new york city they elected uh eric adams and he was elected by mostly working class people of color from the outer boroughs
0: and not like the progressive people from the upper east side who had candidates that were and do you think that nathan was kind of making a statement about what we've seen play out in our cities in the last couple of years since the pandemic? Like, do you think that that was a political statement that he was making?
1: I mean, I think he's basically just dissecting like sort of this peak neoliberal sort of personality type and just seeing the tiny nuances because a lot of these things are so these subtle psychological manipulations, they're hard to sort of pinpoint. And so just seeing somebody act out a situation like this kind of, illustrates it to people. Um and yeah, I think it is calling out a certain kind of hypocrisy and Absurdity. Um, and also her contempt ultimately for the people in the town. They're just a means to an end and if they stand up against her, she's so annoyed. She's like um she just can't handle the idea of <laughs> other people existing in the world basically. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, I will say I love The Curse because although at times it was daunting and um, kind of like difficult to watch, obviously, it was very slow. It had a very different sort of pace than we normally see on television. I loved it because it wasn't content. It wasn't just like another algorithmic show bad out by netflix right right to, that sort of just like matched the taste of the of the masses it was it was different you know mm-hmm. it was original i like all of his stuff but it was it was really original i feel like right. it was even a different <laughs> from like what we normally see him do i wish it had been funnier though like i guess there was there was funny like situational social humor throughout right, right. There, but like I felt like maybe if it had been a little bit tighter, he could have gotten like like some of those moments would have like shined a little bit more. I guess I agree to a certain extent. I do think it was kind of exemplifying. There's a, uh,
1: you know, there's some tra- some tragic characters. I think what? Dougie's a tragic character. Yeah. I think Asher ultimately is a tragic character, and I I sympathize with his
0: character. I was going to um, ask. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no no. Go ahead. I was going to ask you. With regards to Asher's character, what do you think about his character specifically being a metaphor for modern masculinity and the role of men in our current society? I, you know, just like everything from his micro penis to He's the ultimate cuck, him being the ultimate cuck, to him being always second string, to Emma Stone and the the title of the show being changed from flip Am- anthropy to Green Queen. It's not Green King, it's Green Queen to the way that just basically everyone kind of like kicks at him and he really is the lowest on the totem pole right. and even to the very ending, I've been thinking about the ending a lot and how you know, she basically goes into labor and I know we haven't really gotten to this part yet, but but she, but she goes into labor. And he gets sucked up onto the ceiling and then ultimately sucked out of this world. Basically, like she has her kid who she created with him. He served his purpose. He's given her a seed to create a new life. His energy is no longer needed. And therefore, he is sent away. Right. To me, it felt. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I did read that like the, so um, the softies I've, I've seen um, quite a few of their films and then Nathan Fielder. I I do think they're not like trying to be explicitly political. I don't think they're interested in those kinds of conversations. Cause I do think they regard themselves as like filmmakers, all caps. Like, I think they're, they're trying to make a larger artistic statement, but that can include like statements on masculinity and statements on like statements of a somewhat political nature. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think that there is something in there about this guy who is basically doing everything that um, modernity uh, asks of him to be, like, acquiescing to his wife and, like, you know, catering to her needs and being supportive. But she, does, she doesn't respect her husband. She doesn't think... He, she finds him... She has contempt for his weakness. Right. Um. And so... Yeah, I, I do find his character... I, I noticed a lot of reviews kind of thought he was sort of um, sinister. I, I didn't think he was sinister at all.
0: I, I mean, No, like, I found him to be probably the most likable person on the show.
1: Right? And the
0: most sympathetic and the person that I cared about the most on the show.
1: You could sense the real fear seeping into his mind about this thing with the curse because these weird things start happening and obviously they culminate with the final episode, which we can get to. Um,
0: but yeah, I don't know. Something in my heart was really like hurt for him, so okay, let's talk about the final episode then because All I right. think that yeah. was the that was the thing that like broke the internet, right? I hate that term,
1: but anyway, so the episode opens up, it's the final episode. we've learned you know Whitney is pregnant. um, it seems as if she is kind of given in to this idea of like be being a family, and like they're kind of bonding in this kind of fake way but it seems like they're kind of close to one another um anyways she wakes up she opens her eyes slowly and asher is on the ceiling just like not even floating it seems like he's truly being like just held up there by a force that could rip him through there he's up there it's posited that somehow within their passive house, like all the weird conditions they create, that there's like an
0: air pocket. Which and it's because they decided that their baby shouldn't live in the passive house; that the baby should have a regular nursery room, right? Because they're they're worried that the passive house could cause like endanger Their child could endanger the child. Could make their their room get too hot. Heat is really bad for infants especially when they're sleeping. So that's another example of their hypocrisy, right? Like they're right. not willing to like raise their child and the, and the, and the passive home that they expect everybody else in Espanola to raise their The luxury in. belief. So she's very pregnant and at the s-
1: simultaneously while Asher's on the ceiling and she's confused, all of a sudden she realizes she is going into labor and then, no. like, her, like, male doula, which I thought found hilarious.
0: The male yeah, doula. Like, yeah, the male doula, which you never freaking... <laughs> you got this, mama. You I go, know. mama. I know, you're so good. <laughs> I love that. There was a male doula, which I thought also I thought might cool. have been connected to the idea of, of masculinity and Asher being a cuck, right? Right. It's like, it's like these gender reversals. And then the person that chopped down the tree that ultimately sent asher's oh, right. oh, universe a was a woman right. right okay anyway carry on so the male um, uh you got this mama you got this mama and so also then- did you notice that she called the male doula before she called the doctor even though asher was like call the doctor whitney called the doctor before you call right. the doula and she yeah called the
1: doula. yeah and i feel like sometimes though i noticed that uh, people in my in our peer group really I mean and probably rightfully so have a huge distrust of you know the medical system so they do probably they probably would
0: call oh my god the doula a doula is like such a waste of money I did (laughs) not get a doula I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world I was like I don't want some person that I barely know in the room talking to me through one of the most personal and private (laughs) moments of my life like why would you pay somebody three thousand dollars to just like help of the, course, to of course he she to has a doula like she of would never she not
1: have a doula right and of course it's it's a man um anyway so she calls the duel The duel comes over he tries to get asher down asher just proceeds to keep kind of floating but then he also so he then like is one onto this like huge tree on their property and so whitney is like i got i mean she's like she's got to go get birth so she leaves, and then I think, like, Dougie and the uh, fire crew show up. Like, no one is taking him seriously. Like, he is the ultimate cock. Um, and so Dougie seems to think that Asher just is hiding in this tree to, like... It's like a Kafka-esque, I'm afraid it's of... It's very Kafka. See, that's, I think, the sort of tie-in where you're, you're talking about, like, kind of the Freud-Kafka era of... Yeah, and it, this is really where Nathan Fielder's abilities right. as an actor comes out cuz he's he, you can tell he's he's actually doing a very serious part. It's not a bit. And so he looks um, scared. Like maybe scared. he has
0: maybe he has a fear of heights or something and they actually did have him get up on a tree.
1: He was he was really good. And so he's telling <laughs> them to put a net, like don't cut off the the tree limb because they were like you just got to get down or i don't, I don't like, know you're they having a mental health
0: crisis
1: they're like, like you're having a mental health crisis <laughs> and it kind of shows that like you know when somebody maybe you know they they weren't they would not um believe his reality okay so then the he's he's begging this female fire uh, person to uh to not it's cut this, down this fire lesbo this fire lesbo of just <laughs> huge lesbian um and she's, she's just keeps, she's got that chainsaw, she's ripping it, she's ready to fucking chop that tree down, she doesn't give a fuck, and he's, like, begging for his life. She chops it down, and the tree limb goes, goes down, he goes blinging out of... Like a boomerang. Yeah, he that is... Doesn't come back. And he does not come back, and it gets... And he's he continues to And so then it's like interspersed between Scenes of him going higher and higher And higher <laughs> into the atmosphere And saying things like I want to come down But then you see Aww. his body almost kind of
0: Curl into like a fetal A fetal position. position Yes
1: <laughs> so it's very 2001 in this regard he doesn't want. meanwhile a space, his
0: wife is with the doula and they're saying we've got to take you you can't give this baby birth naturally we've got to take you back right now for an emergency c-section. c-section right and of course that would happen to her as well because she is somebody that did hire a doula probably thought she was not going to get the epidural and she's gonna have a totally natural vaginal orgasmic birth experience <laughs> and so they're like c-section bitch we're gonna cut you open which is also what happened to me by the way and so they take her back and at the same as, as asher is curling into the fetal position she is being cut open and they're delivering her baby and these things seem to happen simultaneously
1: right it's almost as if asher had to be sacrificed to
0: the coldness of the void um or something like that his duty was done. He helped His her create a child. He was no longer needed and he disappeared. And I do want to say the second to last episode, the, the episode right before this one, when they kind of, they, they their relationship hit like a culminating point where they were like just deciding whether or not they still want to be together. Right. And Asher says to her that he wants to do anything he can to make it work with her, of course, because he's a cuck. He yeah, says. Looking at your notes if he senses at all that she doesn't want him around, that he'll just disappear. And if you look at that moment when her son is brought into the world, right? As he's leaving and curling into the uh, the fetal position and her son is being born and you see her face and she's looking at her son and she looks so at peace and so happy. Right. She doesn't need Asher anymore. Right and a lot of people say that you know when a woman has a baby their um you know all of their energy and their love is like then transferred over to that baby and so whatever else they had in their life be it career you know be it their art whatever that is there's no longer as much room for those things especially right. when the child is is young and so She got what she needed from Asher and just as he promised that micro penis produced. (laughs) That micro Got (laughs) swimmers. She got what she needed. And just as he said, he sensed that he was no longer wanted. And so he did he literally disappeared. I mean, he he was flung out of the universe. And it's a it's a super sad ending, actually. Right, and like
1: the um the soundtrack is is so good because it really kind of has that tone of like um loneliness, sadness, uh, kind of like tragic. Um, yeah, because I was I really did feel for Asher. Yeah, that he um, you know, uh. <laughs> Just this weird Kafka-esque series of events that eventually flown him into the coldness of space as he's wearing like his like, you know, bedtime like soccer shorts and like a t-shirt. And he's just like this frozen, like fetal like thing with like claws just like um floating away. And it and like the the way they filmed it, really, it just like showed his body, just like the skin flapping on his face as he's like just reaching like terminal velocity or whatever the phrase is and like about to slam obviously none of this is truly possible but um death and
0: birth are so intricately connected right they're like they're so close to each other um and you think about it a baby exiting the womb right like coming out of the womb coming out of (laughs) Of, anyway, I, no I
1: love like, this I love, a baby,
0: I love your passion with this a baby exiting the womb is like leaving its world the world that it knows right. at the same time Asher was literally being thrown out of the world that he knew right and, and it so, did
1: make her Whitney's character a bit redemptive because like Emma Stone she, you can really just tell the depth of what she's feeling just by the way she looks at her child
0: yeah and then she's season like that's two, real love she discovered is, yeah and in season 2 she'll get to be a victim when she tells yes, everybody about she gets to be a victim right about the father of her child um flying out of the out of the universe and into the right. great although poor asher like i think the um the cynicism of the show
1: had like really sunk in with, like, the local fire department because <sighs> they didn't even really react. Like, the guy with the drone was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think Dougie ultimately was like, "Uh oh, I... shit, like, Asher's gone forever. He was crying, but his emotion is so fake that it's kind of hard to buy. Um, also, but like, I think he was upset. Like,
0: he was, but he was... He, you could tell he felt sorry for himself.
1: Yeah, he felt sorry for himself for losing his friend, not the fact that Asher is... Uh,
0: dead. Well, you know that this is a really good show when so many different people are trying to figure it out, right? And are talking about it. That shows don't do that as much today. I feel like. Yeah,
1: no, I I totally agree, and I I think that there's no point in like figuring it out because it's like, what does it represent? Obviously, it's sort of absurd. It's there's it's like, it's like, why did Franz Kafka write a story where he wakes up as a bug? there's no point to be like why it's just like what is what can be gained from such an absurdity um like the i mean it just when somebody asks why it's like wait you mean like literally the physics of it or what like there's no there's no definitive answer for these things like this is i guess ultimately how i feel about just
0: Everything, <laughs> everything
1: is that it's not necessarily about like I don't want to look for discrete answers because I don't think life the big questions in life have discrete answers. I think it's more of like, uh, how did this sort of uh, this thing make you feel? And the truth is in the feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, the curse. We so did thanks, it.
1: Thanks, Evan, for your
0: recommendation. Yay! You're welcome. I think that's a wrap. That's what do a wrap.
1: Um, no, this was fun, and yeah, I think I would definitely recommend,
0: you know, watching the curse and N- not listening to the latest Green Day album, or you
1: could turn the volume down on the curse and just have like turn the volume Green up Day, on Green Day. <laughs> be like sort of it's the music video for the Green Day record. That's actually kind of an interesting idea.
0: We could try that. <laughs> <laughs> I think. That's um, stone yeah, but I don't need anymore. So, what's that? I said I think I need to be stoned to do that, and I don't do that anymore. So, right. Cool. Well, you're the best. You're um, the best too. And I guess we'll tell our people. Don't, don't cry. cry. Don't cry.